Second Corinthians eight. One more time. Second Corinthians eight. And we'll go ahead and get the visual up there with the verses and just go through what we have uh, mentioned for each mission's action. Uh, and I have five up there. Of course, we're on number four now, but uh, I'll just uh, mention briefly uh, both four and five, and then we'll jump into the message. But Second uh, Corinthians gives us kind of a blueprint of a church that had given themselves to the Lord first. That is the surrender part, 2 Corinthians 8, 5. Uh, in the next chapter, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7, we see that they purposed in their heart. This is also the same uh, two verses where we see that God loveth the cheerful giver. We use that phrase a lot, but I want to focus on that part of purposing in your heart. The surrender part, we looked at uh, uh, Sunday morning being the best waiter, waitress, wait staff for the Lord that we can be, uh, purposing in our hearts, focusing on that heart. Uh, the, in Exodus 35, we see that the Israelites had hearts that made them willing to serve God. They had stirred up hearts, they had uh, willing hearts, they had wise hearts. And then in 2 Corinthians 8.11, we see another mission's action of performing the doing of it. We looked at last night that uh, when we do one of those things that we all, always say, the praying, the giving, the going, when we start praying towards missions, God will begin moving us towards the going uh, in missions. That uh, as we pray for laborers, God will make us laborers. We need to perform the doing of it. Now, that also applies to giving, but uh, uh, we need to be doing all of those actions, giving, uh, praying, and going. And then Second uh, Corinthians 8 and verses 7 and 8, uh, we just scrolled over to the commands of Christ. Amen. That's the theme for this year, in case you forgot it, for White Oak Baptist Church. Amen. Uh, but uh, <laughs> in... Uh, in 2 Corinthians 8 and verses 7 and 8, uh, Paul actually encourages the Corinthian church that they're abounding or they're growing in several things. And he wants them to abound in giving also. And so I, I, I love how all these actions tie together because the, the, the very first thing, whether we're talking about missions or just the Christian life in general, is we need to be surrendered to the Lord. If you know you're saved, you follow the Lord in baptism, uh, you have uh, uh, completed that first step of obedience, the next thing you need to learn is, God, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. Uh, that's where we truly give ourselves to the Lord. Uh, sometimes people use that phrase, if I gave my life to Christ for salvation, uh, it's not fully accurate. Actually, you learn how to give yourself to Christ after salvation, uh, because uh, before salvation, you don't even know truly what that means as a lost person. Uh, it's actually Christ that gives everything to you in salvation. And then uh, as, you get, as you get saved and know it and baptized and know it, uh, that's when you, you, the first thing you need to really understand is, is surrendering to the Lord. And then purpose in your heart. Have it, uh, these things that we're doing, this giving and praying and going, it needs to be done on purpose. 
And you don't just plan it, surrender and plan and say, I'm willing to do it. You actually need to do it, perform the doing of it. And then abounding is growing in those things. Some of you have been surrendered and you've purposed and you've performed for years now. But have you grown in your performing? Have you grown in your purposing? Uh, are you doing more this year than you did last year? Uh, is there a way that you can do that? Have you asked the Lord, how can I grow? How can I do more this year than last year? I don't ever want to stop growing. Uh, I've been preaching now for 28 years. I've been saved for 33 years. I don't want to stop growing. I hope that I'm closer to the Lord now than I've ever been before. I hope that I understand more about the Bible than I ever have before. And it's, it's all, that, that's abounding. And then in Second uh, Corinthians 9 and verse 8, I just want to read through it. The Bible says that, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread to your food, and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth uh, through us thanksgiving to God. Uh, it's an interesting study to see how many times the Lord uses the word all and every in just those few verses. Because uh, the, these are rewards. These are promises from God. That when you surrender and you purpose in your heart and you perform the doing of it and you grow in those things, God is going to reward you. Don't ever be afraid of growing in faith. Don't ever be afraid of growing in giving. Don't ever be afraid of growing in serving. Because God notices and He rewards and He provides and He is going to give you the means to continue growing in those things. We say it all the time, but... Sometimes we're not sure if we actually believe it. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgrow God. <laughs> you cannot, you cannot uh, step out too much by faith. Uh, you cannot grow too much for God. You cannot abound too much for God. He will continue providing. He will continue uh, uh, rewarding you. He will continue giving you what you need uh, to continue growing and performing the doing of it. Uh, so we surrender. We give ourselves to the Lord. We purpose in our hearts. We perform the doing of it. We abound and that's what I want to uh, bring out this evening. Uh, uh, James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And of course the last one, we're standing on his promises. But James chapter 2. James chapter number 2. So I hope that helps you to tie it together. Uh, Brother Joe, if you could bring it back to that previous uh, slide so that uh, you don't spend the rest of the night looking up all those verses instead of listening to me. Amen. Uh, <laughs> but I hope that gave you enough time to write down the verses. James chapter 2 and verse number 14. The Bible says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? Verse 19, thou, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? This uh, passage of scripture was quite intimidating to me as a young Christian. I, I grew up in 
uh, a home that was not, uh, you wouldn't call it a, a Christian home. It was a good home. My mother and father both uh, people of character and, and raised me, I believe, the right way uh, in many uh, character aspects. And I believe they loved me. And, and, uh, but I, I was not raised in church. Uh, in fact, the first time that I stepped foot into a church was when I was nine years old. A friend of mine invited me to a vacation Bible school. Uh, and I have, a, I have a special place in my heart for VBSs and for Bible clubs. And, uh, I was reached through something like that. I uh, went to church and, and, and found out it was interesting and, and enjoyed the Bible stories and the crafts and the, and the, 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 the games and all those things. And I went home and I, I started asking my mother if we could start going to church. And we had a uh, Baptist church just right down the street from our house. And we started going to North Long Beach Baptist Church. Um, my brother eventually uh, joined us. He's almost seven years older than me. And then uh, my father would come from time to time. And my dad was my hero. I mean, uh, uh, everything that uh, he was doing, I wanted to do. He was a, a pilot for Southern Company Services. That's the uh, power company, the regional power company for Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. And he would fly a executive plane that he would fly the executives uh, for, uh, for between Atlanta and Birmingham and Gulfport and Pensacola for board meetings and things like that. And uh, Every once in a while, if I kept up my grades, he would uh, take me out of school on a business trip. Hallelujah. Parent sanctioning skipping class. I loved it. And, uh, and my, my dad would, I mean, he was just the greatest. I, I grew up, hey, my dad could beat up your dad. Amen. That's what I thought when I was a kid. And so, but, uh, the, uh, something happened, uh, in my life that, uh, most would consider a tragedy. Uh, uh, April 10th of 1989. I was 10 years old. My father's plane crashed in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, it was he, uh, the pilot, and the uh, vice president of Florida Power that were on board. He and the co-pilot and the vice president. And for the first time, I was without my hero. For the first time, uh, I was without, I believe at that time, my best friend. And, and uh, But also for the first time, the Lord really started working on my heart. And I started thinking about eternity for the first time. I was intrigued by the Bible, and I had enjoyed going to church and being around some new friends. But uh, I started thinking about, you know, what, what happened to my father, and what would happen to me if I were to die? And I remember just uh, asking countless questions in my heart. And then after a, a morning service, I went to my pastor, and I asked him how I could be saved. And uh, I remember, and I, I still, uh, his name is Brother Hardy Denham. He became a, a church planting uh, teacher at uh, William Carey College, Southern Baptist University. But uh, he, he, uh, he took time that afternoon, after the morning service, he took time that afternoon and came to my home uh, and made a visit to us that afternoon. And showed me from the Bible the plan of salvation uh, right there with my mother on the couch. She was in tears. She knew what was going on. And I received Christ uh, that morning. Uh, I got baptized in, in July of that year. And uh, this, this, uh, this coming July uh, will be uh, what, 34 years 
since I received Christ as Savior. And uh, it, it, uh, as, I, as we kept going to that church, uh, we, were, we were pretty much just Sunday, Sunday attenders. But uh, uh, when I became a teenager, I, I had a desire to get more involved in church. And I uh, got my driver's license, and, and it's, it's amazing how the Lord works. As soon as I got my driver's license, I had been uh, seeing a, a group of teenagers in my high school that uh, it seemed like each, each one of them that were serious about the Lord, they seemed to all go to the same church. And I, I noticed them inviting their friends to church, and, and I wasn't much involved in, in the church where I got saved. And so uh, as soon as I got my driver's license, I, I went and visited that church. And started getting involved in Sharon Baptist Church in Long Beach, Mississippi. And uh, started going to uh, evening service, midweek service, going out on youth visitation and youth activities. And uh, it, was, it was wonderful. Well, a couple of deacons uh, took me up to a youth conference in Hammond, Indiana. And uh, I got to hear preaching like I'd never heard before. And I believe that God was calling me to preach during that youth conference. And uh, for the first time, I, I, I uh, had a desire to uh, preach. Not only that, a desire to uh, show the gospel to uh, friends of mine. I learned how to be a soul winner. And uh, I remember I had, that, I had that desire for a while uh, before when, when uh, I, I, I first started going to that church. I remember uh, the, the only person that I had ever seen give out a, a gospel tract and uh, give the plan of salvation to someone was the youth director of the First Baptist Church in our town. And I remember going uh, to him and, and just uh, begging him to show me how to be a soul winner. And uh, he took me through and, and, and taught me for about an hour, hour and a half. And then I, I gave me a couple of books. And then going to that youth conference, I got some more tools and just became a soul winner. And, and I started preaching the first First time I came back from that youth conference, I told my pastor that uh, I believe that God was calling me to preach. He said, good, we have a, a ministry uh, to a housing project on Sunday afternoons. You're preaching next week. Uh, and so I, I studied all week. I had everything outlined and written out. Uh, I thought I was going to bring revival to that place. Amen. I had prepared a sermon on Noah and the ark had a, uh, a, a salvation invitation at the end. I gave the introduction. I read through the whole sermon. I read through the invitation and six and a half minutes had gone by. Amen. <laughs> I remember looking to the guy that, that, that brought me and I said, that's all I got. And uh, I sat down and he got up and he preached something and filled in the time, amen. But uh, uh, now I can't even introduce myself in, in six and a half minutes. But uh, and don't worry, we have, we've been getting out on time each night, amen. But uh, uh, when I remember one time uh, witnessing to a lady and I was showing her the, the, the free gift of salvation and talking to her and saying, you know, it, it is by grace that you're saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm using Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And she went, came back at me and she quoted James 2, 20. Faith without works is dead. 
I went back to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I said, no, no, no. Uh, salvation is a free gift. It's, a, uh, it's not of works. Uh, it's, 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 a, it, it, it's something that, that you don't have to earn. And she quoted back to me James 2, 20. But wilt thou know a vain man that faith without works is dead? And I didn't know what to do. I was intimidated. I mean, Paul is saying that salvation is a free gift. James is saying you've got to work for it. So who is right? Well, if you believe the Bible, both of them are right. Amen. Uh, and, and not to oversimplify it, but uh, Paul was telling us about salvation uh, that is given to us by God. James is talking about, however, uh, once you have received that salvation, he is telling us how to show forth that salvation to mankind. And the only way that we can do that is by our works. You see, everything that happens to us at salvation is inside. Everything, uh, the forgiveness of sins, Jesus washing away your sins, uh, the, the Christ, in, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of you, uh, the, the, your, your, your heart being made right, you being reconciled unto God, all of those things I cannot see them with my eyes. It all happens on the inside. But somehow we've got to take what has happened on the inside and show it outwardly. In another place, the Bible tells us to work out our own salvation. And some people use that to say, see, salvation is works. No, 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 no. If you keep reading that in the same passage, it says it is God that worketh in you. Both the will and to do. Uh, and so uh, God works everything in us. Now it's our job to show it outwardly. Uh, if you go back to the, the story of uh, David being anointed king of Israel, uh, God had told the, uh, God told the, the prophet that uh, when he went to uh, Jesse's family, he should not look on the outward appearance. On the outward appearance, David was not supposed to be king. On the outward appearance, David was just a little shepherd boy. On the outward appearance, his daddy didn't even call him to the, to the prophet. Uh, on the outward appearance, uh, David was just a little ruddy boy. There's no way that he could have been king. But God said to Samuel, it is uh, man looketh upon the outward appearance and God looks upon the heart. And we often focus on that second statement. But let me help you, both statements are true. Man does look on the outward appearance because it's the only thing we can look at. Now, uh, I know sometimes we think we, we, we know, sometimes we think we can look at, at somebody and tell their heart. But truly, all we can see is the outward appearance. God looks upon the heart. It's our job to take what's in our heart and show it outwardly. And this is exactly what James is talking about. By the way, that, is, that means it is important how we talk. It is important how we dress. It is important how we present ourselves. Because we are showing to a, uh, to, to a lost and dying world that we are Christians. The lost and dying world can't see our hearts. I know, thank God, uh, God has washed our hearts clean. But all that happened in us. It's our job to take it and work it outwardly. 
That's why the, the Bible even uses an illustration here. In verse 15, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, uh, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? He's basically saying if a, if a, a, a church member comes to you, says a brother or sister, and you realize that they have a need, and you have the power in your hand to meet that need. But instead, you say to them, God bless you. Jesus loves you. Now get out. Uh, James is asking, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. He even goes further. He says, he basically brings out a dialogue between two men. He says, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. The way that I'm going to show my faith is by my works. Now, you can, you can proclaim all that you want to that, well, God knows my heart and he does. Hallelujah. But man does not. And we actually do have a responsibility to show forth our salvation to mankind. To, 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 to uh, let our good works, uh, to let our light shine before men so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Hallelujah. That's as much truth as God knows your heart. I know we, we, we are fixed on this thing of it doesn't matter how we look, it doesn't matter how we talk, it doesn't matter how we act, it doesn't matter how we present ourselves, but it does. And uh, it matters just as much as God looking upon our hearts as it does uh, that we take what is in our hearts and show it to an outside world. I'm not talking about just focusing only on the outside. I'm saying as it begins in the heart, let it show on the outside. Somewhere we need to be able to show forth that we're saved. Somehow we need to be able to let our light so shine. So if faith without works is dead, what is the best way to work our faith? Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Don't turn me off now. If I said something that made you unhappy, don't worry. We'll get happy in a moment. Galatians chapter 5. I promise I'll, I'll prove this to you from the scripture. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 6. Talking about abounding. Abounding. What, is, what does all this mean? We're going to kind of go around the world, but we'll, we'll get there. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 6. The Bible says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Here... Paul says in Galatians that faith works by love. In James, we just learned that faith without works is dead. In fact, let's go ahead and say that together. Ready? Faith without works is dead. Good class. Hallelujah. All right. If you fall asleep again, we're going to read John 3.16 together. No, uh, that'll be later. Okay. Uh, Galatians 5 and verse 6 tells us that faith works by love. Let's say that together. Ready? Faith works by love. The best way to work your faith is by love. The greatest way that you can show that you're a Christian is love. 
the, uh, the, the, the greatest way that you can show what is in your heart and what, uh, the difference that Christ has made in you is love. Unfortunately, a word that has been twisted and corrupted and perverted by society today is that word love. Uh, love has now just become nothing more than a feeling. Just nothing but an emotion. Uh, in fact, uh, at its worst point, it's just a physical attraction. Uh, I love this, I love that, I love him, I love her. And all these feelings change from day to day. But love is so much more than that. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Love is, is given to us by God. A uh, great chapter that we uh, call the, the great chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13. Even the, 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 the word that the... King James Bible uses for love, tells us it's more than an emotion. The Bible uses the word charity. That's love in action. That is love perfected. That is love that produces good works. That's love that endureth. Love that hopeth. Love that uh, believeth all things. Uh, it, It produces good works in us. And here the Bible is telling us that faith works by love. In fact, First uh, Corinthians thirteen eight brings out that that great great verse that that, that that great phrase that tells us that charity never faileth. Ah, love never fails. It's more than an emotion. Emotions change. It's more than a feeling. Feelings could be here uh, one day and gone the next day. Uh, it is more than just a physical attraction. Charity never faileth. So why do you, why why is this important? The Bible says in 1 John 4 and verse 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Why is it important that we understand love from a real, true, Bible, godly sense? It's because God is love. If we ever have a hope of showing who God is, we need to know what love is. We've got, we cannot be getting our definition of love from uh, popular music or from uh, movies or from what the world tells us. We need to get our definition of love from the Bible. We're going to go show who God is. If we're going to show this uh, Christianity from our hearts, if we're going to show that truly we've been saved, if we're going to show forth what is in us, we need to do it by love. And love from the Scriptures. Not from a song. Not from uh, what, what the world teaches us. Real, true, Bible, godly love. Faith without works is dead. Faith works by love. Now, what is the easiest way to show love? Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 does contain the most famous verse in the Bible. I know we've heard it several times now, but I'd like for you to see it. In fact, I'd like for us to read it together. John 3 and verse 16. If you're there, if you have it memorized, let's read it together. Ready? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He what? He gave. You know, the easiest way to show love is the same way that God shows love. 
He gave. Easiest way to show love is giving. <clears throat> See, I believe that God has been trying to express that love or has been expressing that love from the beginning. When He created Adam and Eve, I believe He was telling us, I, I, He was telling Adam and Eve, I, I love you. He showed them that picture of redemption. I love you. He, he, he called a people unto Himself, a peculiar people of Israel, and He was telling them, I love you. He gave them His Word. He gave them laws. He gave them prophets and priests and kings and judges. And He was telling them, I love you. But oh, what a difference it made when God Himself came to the earth and lived a perfect life. And yes, He called apostles to Himself and He taught and He, he preached and He showed forth an example to us. But then He was arrested and falsely accused and and beaten and mocked and scorned and, 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 and placed upon a cruel cross. One who had never sinned. One who lived a perfect life. One who had never done anything wrong. God Himself was placed upon a cross, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. That word commendeth is a wonderful uh, word. It, it, it's, it's exactly what uh, Brother Matthew did with his presentation. He commended to us Fort Hope, Alaska. He put it in a prominent place. He put it on display for us. Uh, many of us will never go there. I don't know if any of us will go there uh, unless you want to start walking. Amen. But uh, uh, we may never go there, but it has been commended to us. It has been put on display. It has helped us to understand that place in a way we never would have before except through that video. That's exactly what God did when uh, Jesus Christ, uh, when, when God Himself was placed upon a cruel cross. It was God commending His love to us. It was God putting His love on display and saying, I love you. Look to the cross and see my love for you. Understand it in a way that you never could understand it before. I love you. Take a look at my love. God commendeth His love toward us. And that commendeth is in the present tense. He's still putting His love on display. Every time we sing about the cross, every time we preach about it, every time we uh, give the plan of salvation, God is commending His love toward us. It's my favorite verse in the plan of salvation. Because in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, just as wonderful as that story of the cross is, just as amazing as it is that God Himself came and gave Himself for us, just as amazing as that is, every time that I give, I get to look up to God and say, I love you too. He gives me an opportunity to express that love in return. No, we don't have to sacrifice ourselves as God did when He gave Himself on the cross. He just simply gives an, ex an example of how to show love. We show love by giving. Every time I give, I can look up to God and say, God, thank you for your unspeakable gift to me. I love you too. You see, there's so many different ways to give. We already talked about one way. You give yourself. 
Oh, what greater gift can you give than looking up to God and saying, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. My life is yours. Here it is. I'm ready to take your order. I'm yours. We can give our time. It takes time to uh, go and, and preach the gospel. It takes time to go and visit someone. It takes time to go and pick someone up for church. It takes time to go and disciple someone. It takes time to do those things. We can give the truth. Uh, when's the last time you told that greatest story that's ever been told to someone else and given the gospel? And love gives treasures. It's amazing what happens when God has control of this. Hallelujah. All of us, all, every part of us should belong to God. Our family, our money, our dreams, our goals, our hopes, our plans, all of it should belong to God. We can give. And every time we give, we are saying to God, I love you too. Take your Bibles again and turn to that Second Corinthians 8. I didn't read the verses because I wanted to include it in the message. <clears throat> Excuse me, Second Corinthians 8 and verse number 7. Paul is doing something unique. He's actually encouraging the Corinthian church. In the first letter, he's rebuking them time and again. And here... In verse 7, he's encouraging them. And he says, Therefore, as ye have bound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye have bound in this grace also. The whole grace that he's been talking about in the first eight verses of 2 Corinthians 8 is the grace of giving. He says, I want you to abound in the grace of giving. I want you to grow in the grace of giving. And notice... In verse number 8, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. He said, look, I'm not telling you how much to give. I'm not telling you how to give. I'm not telling you where to give. But th these churches at Macedonia have given me an opportunity to use them as an example. I speak by the occasion of the forwardness of others and notice and to prove the sincerity of your love. I said it right there, abounding in love's sincerity. Love's sincerity is giving. When you give, you prove the sincerity of your love. Boy, I have to be careful how I, I, I say things like this, uh, especially in my church in Nigeria. We're, we're a very elder-centric uh, church and, and, and uh, uh, very patriarchal. And, and uh, when I first started the church at 26 years of age, it felt like, Every church member was older than me. And I had to be careful how I said some things. And uh, uh, here Paul is giving a challenge. He says, if, 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 do you love God? Prove it. Give. Do you love missions? Prove it. Give. That's a challenging statement, isn't it? When I, when I said that in our church, I almost felt like I had to apologize. Yeah. But he says, hey, hey you love the gospel? Prove it. Give. You love the, 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 the Word of God getting all around the world? Prove it. Give. Giving proves the sincerity of your love. We can say we love a lot of things. Boy, I love this church. Hey, I love this pastor. And I love missions and I love this and I love that. And, 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 and talk. 
Paul, if, if, uh, if uh, he was talking today, he might say, talk is cheap. Right? If you say you love something, giving proves it. It proves the sincerity of your love. Go to Philippians 4. I'm through. Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, and we brought this out in the more, uh, early service, but Paul talked a lot about giving in Philippians 4. He talked about how uh, the church at Philippi had met his needs and, and had given to his necessity and had given when he was uh, uh, unhungered and, and had given in, in different ways. And, and I believe the, the Holy Spirit allows Paul just to take a step back and, and show his sincerity to the church at Philippi. And he says in verse 17 of Philippians chapter 4, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. <laughs> I, I haven't been preaching here so that you could give me a big offering. I, I'm not preaching this so that you can give us more. If your pastor preaches on giving or missions or tithing, He's not doing that so you can give him money. Uh, we preach this way because we've seen how God rewards giving. And we desire, we, we want so much for that kind of fruit to abound to your account. I could stand up here for hours and talk about how God has rewarded and blessed and, 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 and uh, provided for us. And I desire that for you. I'm preaching all of this and trying to show you from Scripture that, hey, giving is how we show that we're Christians. Faith without works is dead. Faith works by love. And love gives. It's the easiest way to show that you're a Christian. It's the easiest way to look up to God and say, I love you too. It's not because I desire a gift. But I want you to abound. And I want fruit to abound to your account. Abound in love sincerity. Would you bow your heads please? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I hope with this that we've tied it all together. Oh, if there's a place where you have not surrendered yourself to God, would you do it? you purposed in your heart, are you ready to perform the doing of it? And oh, I pray that each and every one of you, whether this is your first time or your 20th time given to missions, why don't you determine that you're going to grow, abound, do more, show love again. Look up to God and say, I love you too. I pray that you'll determine to just make a decision tonight to say, God, show me how I can abound. Show me how I can grow. Show me how I can do even more for this cause of missions, for the church, for the gospel, for the sake of Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's stand together. Everyone standing. Everyone standing. Last invitation for the missions conference. Oh, I pray that you'll seal it in your heart. 
uh, what you want, uh, what you desire to do for God, what God has placed in your heart, what 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 God's been working in your heart uh, about during this whole meeting. <laughs>